the sideline, Dissonant. I'm Brad Whitaker. Good to be with you talking today about the midseason MVP award in the NFL. Is it Tom Brady? Is it Carson Wentz? Then later I'll talk about why Kyrie Irving missing from the Cleveland Cavaliers is the reason why they are losing to all these bad teams. And then I will wrap up with my Week 10 NFL Power Rankings in a new segment I like to call the Sideline 7. But first... Tom Brady or Carson Wentz, when you compare the stats between the two players, they are virtually identical. Uh, QBR, passer ratings, pretty much exactly the same. Tom Brady has the edge. He's thrown almost 300 more yards than Carson Wentz has in one more game. But also, Carson Wentz has more touchdowns with 23. Brady has just 16. But Brady has the edge in interceptions, 2-5, to five, which is why I would give him the made-up midseason NFL MVP award, which is really just give sports writers something to talk about in Week 9 and Week 10 of the season. But uh, I think Brady deserves the award, but here's why I think if there was an NFL midseason MVP award, it would go to the Eagles, uh, or to the Eagles' Carson Wentz. Now, I think... Carson Wentz has a better team to work with, at least within the first nine weeks of the season. I think Philadelphia has a more complete roster. You can definitely argue that the Patriots have better wide receivers, and you could have argued they had better running backs until the Eagles just picked up Jay Ajayi, uh, but Philadelphia definitely a more complete defense. You give the Patriots the edge at receiver, but for the most part, Carson Wentz has been working with a more complete team. So that's another reason why I would give the midseason MVP award to Brady. But I think the media would give it to Carson Wentz, and here's why. Carson Wentz is a lot like Matt Ryan was last year. Now, I think Carson Wentz is ultimately going to be a much better quarterback than Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan benefited from a great, complete unit. Kyle Shanahan was his offensive coordinator. Great offensive line. The running game between Coleman and Freeman was much better last year than it was this year. Everything is clicking for the Philadelphia Eagles right now offensively, and it's clicking defensively as well. Whereas I think Tom Brady, nobody expected Julian Edelman to be hurt in the season. Gronk's been a bit limited limited some games this season. And I think Tom Brady's a lot like LeBron James in the NFL, er, because LeBron James... I argue, should win the NBA MVP every year. Tom Brady, most seasons, probably deserves the NFL MVP. But when you're going up against a Matt Ryan, as he did last year, Matt Ryan is kind of the the hot new star player, or Cam Newton the year before, you're going to give it to that guy. It's the same reason Russell Westbrook won it over LeBron James uh, last year. Uh, It's just you can't give LeBron the MVP every year, and you can't give Tom Brady the MVP every year as well. But I think Brady actually, looking at the schedule going forward, Brady has a much better shot at getting the MVP award than Carson Wentz does because of their strength of schedule. The Philadelphia Eagles schedule, they play some tough teams. They got the Eagles in Dallas, they got the Seahawks in Seattle, then they have to travel to LA to play the Rams. Home game against the Raiders, that's not easy, and you never know what you're going to get in a division game against the New York Giants. Bears should be an easy win, Uh, but then compare that to the New England Patriots, who were supposed to have a difficult schedule, but it ended up being very easy because the Denver Broncos are not what we were expecting with their quarterback situation. The Oakland Raiders are not as good as people were expecting, so uh, even in Mexico City, even in Denver, the Patriots should be able to win both those games. 
Two games against Miami, Patriots should be able to win both. One, two games against the Bills. Bills are a tougher team. Patriots should be able to win at least one of those games. And then, of course, they have the Jets. So really, the only difficult matchup going forward for the Patriots is the Pittsburgh Steelers and maybe the Buffalo Bills. But it's looking pretty good going forward that Tom Brady can win another MVP award. But if there were a uh, mid-season MVP award in the NFL, it would go to Carson Wentz, and I just laid out why. Dedman's got eight here in the quarter. Irving, oh, splits the defense with the dribble. Oh, just go one-on-one. What he wants to do. Yeah, what he really wants to do is play pick and roll. Kyrie, look at Kyrie. Going to the baseline now. Look, at this is pretty good defense. They switch. Good contest. It's fun having Kyrie Irving in Boston. He was also having it was also fun for Cavs fans having him in Cleveland. And during times like these in the regular season when the Cavaliers are not playing good basketball, these are the times you miss Kyrie Irving. Now look, don't count out the Cavaliers just because they are a 4 and 6 team. They're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. The difference is I don't think they will be a one seed or a two seed, I think it's very likely that the Cavaliers will go into the postseason as like a four or five seed simply because LeBron focuses a lot more in the playoffs against good teams than he does in a November game against the Orlando Magic. Now, we know this because so far this season, LeBron's effort is only really visible against good teams. The Cavaliers have won four games this season. They've all been against good teams. Well, Chicago, maybe they're not a great team, but against the Boston Celtics, they're a good team. Milwaukee Bucks are a good team. Washington Wizards, a good team. Those are the teams, plus Chicago, that LeBron has beaten. All the other teams that Cleveland has played this season have been terrible, and the Cavaliers have lost to them. So, I'm not saying LeBron takes nights off. We need to stop pretending he takes nights off, because he doesn't. He plays... On a mediocre level with mediocre focus and LeBron can still put up 34 points get seven assists and seven rebounds no problem it's just his team doesn't tend to win those games when he uh, when they're without Kyrie Irving and that's really why you got to miss Kyrie Irving if you're a Cleveland Cavaliers fan and you know what's different this year from the last three seasons is just that you know Kevin Love isn't stepping up as a as the number two option. Derrick Rose isn't stepping up. You know, he's too old to be a number two option. And that bench, there's just not a ton of athleticism there because of the age. Maybe when Isaiah Thomas is back in Cleveland, that will help things out a little bit, but who knows when he'll be back. And also, Isaiah Thomas is not going to solve Cleveland's defensive woes. And here's the weird thing. Last year, On those nights that LeBron not wanted to take off, but the nights he didn't want to put in 100% of effort like he did against Washington the other day when he scored 54 points, when LeBron wants to take a night where he isn't the main guy every second of the game, Kyrie Irving stepped in and filled that void no problem. In fact, Kyrie averaged more points last season than LeBron did on Cleveland's roster. Meanwhile... Kyrie Irving is able to take nights off in Boston or simply have bad nights. Now, he scored, I think, what was it, 35 points last night against um, Atlanta. But here's Boston's box score last Sunday against the Orlando Magic. Kyrie Irving was fifth on the roster in scoring. He only scored 11 points. 
But Al Horford compensated, Jason Tatum compensated, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, Marcus Morris had a good game. And then they got Ojale and Baines. And then the guys toward the bottom who really didn't do much Sunday at Orlando, uh, Larkin, Nader, Daniel Tice, uh, Yabusele, who is also known as French Draymond, they can step up on other nights, and they tend to be pretty good role players as well. So there's this, there's this idea going into the regular season that the Celtics didn't have a deep bench. They have a very deep bench. It's just a young bench that Brad Stevens has gotten a lot out of, and so, basically, Kyrie Irving can have bad nights, and the Celtics can still win by a lot, because Horford's able to compensate, Tatum and Jalen Brown are able to compensate, and the amazing thing is, even without Gordon Hayward, ironically, the Celtics don't have to rely on Kyrie as much as the Cavaliers had to rely on Kyrie with LeBron James last season, because LeBron could have an off night last year in Orlando, and Kyrie could pick up the slack. Kevin Love and Derrick Rose aren't picking up the slack. Tristan Thompson's having injury issues, but when he was out there, he wasn't picking up the slack. And then Kyrie can, as the number one option, he can have an off night in Boston, because there are plenty of players on the roster to go around. They don't have the age issues that Cleveland has, so they're are players that can pick up the slack and then when Gordon Hayward's back good luck against the Celtics and you know that's why they're in a really good situation going forward in Boston it's you know Cleveland is going to in all likelihood be in the Eastern semis or be in the Eastern Conference Finals simply because they have LeBron and they have a talented roster and they can flip the switch and focus a little more and beat good teams when they want to But then when you have the Celtics, when you have all these guys that can compensate when Kyrie's not having a good night, if Gordon Hayward is back by the postseason, if Boston has to play Cleveland, good luck, LeBron. It's going to be very difficult. So now a new segment. Uh, I want to give weekly power rankings, but I'm going to call it the Sideline 7. I didn't want to do a Top 10 because too many people do Top 10 power rankings, but I did also did not want to go through all 32 NFL teams and rank them because that's very tedious and nobody cares about if Cleveland is 31st or 32nd in the league. Let's be real. And I love alliteration. So sideline seven worked out pretty well. Uh, I'm going to start with number seven, the New Orleans Saints. Now the Saints, they started the season 0-2, but then they won six straight ball games, and it's kind of gone unnoticed. You know, we all just assumed when the Saints started the season 0-2 that their defense would continue to struggle and their offense would still continue to excel as one of the best offenses in the league that scores 30 points a game, but then they had a defense that gives up 35 points a game. But that defense has really stepped up over the last few weeks, and it's the reason why the Saints have won six straight. They're 15th in the league in yards allowed, but they're actually tied for 7th in terms of points allowed, and they're also tied for 7th in terms of interception and tied for 4th in fumbles. So, look, the Saints' defense, they still give up large chunks of yardage, but they've been much better in the red zone, and they first force turnovers. They could be a force to reckon with in the playoffs. Uh, especially because the New Orleans offense is always good. They'll be tough to beat. Uh, Number six, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Look, the Cowboys offense is what we expected them to be. Uh, You know, they chew up a lot of clock time, especially when they have a lead, great offensive line. And Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott have pretty much picked up picked up right where they left off. The real issue going into the season was the defense, but the defense in Dallas has also been a pleasant surprise. David Irving and Demarcus Lawrence are the best pass rushing duo in the NFL. They have a combined 16 and a half sacks. 
So the Dallas Cowboys didn't have much of a pass rush, rush last year. They do this year. Now, I know they're in the same division as the Eagles, so they're probably going to go into the postseason as a wild card team, but I think they are much more fit to make a playoff run this year than they were last year. Uh, but also, the, with the Ezekiel Elliott suspension, a lot is up in the air. But they have such a good O-line. Dak Prescott is so good that I think they could just insert Alfred Morris in there and things would be fine in Dallas. You know, you want Zeke out there, but if you can't, I don't think it's necessarily going to cost them a lot of football games. Uh, number five, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. They would have been number one just a few weeks ago. Uh, the Chiefs were 5-0, and but now they've lost three of their last four. And, you know, teams have figured out how to stop Kansas City's running games, running game, and because of it, they've had to put the ball in the hands of Alex Smith, the MVP leader as of three weeks ago. Yeah, you notice nobody's talking about Alex Smith being MVP anymore. And also, because of this, because defensive defenses have figured out how to stop Kansas City's running game, and Alex Smith hasn't really stepped up with the ball in his hands of, hands of late, especially in Dallas, because of that, Kansas City's defense is on the field a lot more, and fatigue really does play a factor if that defense is on the field a lot in Kansas City. And that's why I have them dropping down to fifth, and they're also behind the Steelers and the Patriots now in the AFC. So whatever lead Kansas City jumped right out to starting the season winning in New England winning in New England and starting 5 and 0, it's gone now. They blew that and things are going to look rough for Andy Reid and company going forward. Number 4, the LA Rams, uh the Rams lead the league in scoring at 33 points per game. And their defense is no worse than they were under Jeff Fisher. And now with an offensive-minded head coach, Sean McVay, they know how to use Todd Gurley. They're getting great offensive line play, which they didn't have last year, which shows that Jared Goff's struggles as a rookie were not entirely on Jared Goff. And because he has a good O-line, because he has a good running game, they have Sammy Watkins out there and a good receiving core. Uh, Jared Goff has proven that he's shown why he deserved to be the number one pick. And he won in in New York. I know the New York Giants are not a great team this year, but he put up a lot of points very quickly with that offense in tough weather conditions against a New York defense that isn't terrible. They've certainly underperformed this season, but, you know, don't count out the Rams. Uh, they're the, the second-best team in the NFC, in my opinion. Uh, number three, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Keith Butler, the uh, the defensive coordinator for Pittsburgh, he's quietly built the Steelers' defense into one of the best in the NFL. They're fifth in total defense, second in scoring defense, and fourth in sacks. Now, I the reason, you know, a lot of people think Pittsburgh is like the seventh best team. A lot of them think they're the third best team. I think they're the third best team in the league right now. I can't put them ahead of Philly and New England, certainly, but uh, their defense is really stepped up, and they've... They've been the shining unit in Pittsburgh. Also, uh, F- Pittsburgh's done a really good job running the ball with Le'Veon Bell. That could be problematic going forward, uh, but, you know, Pittsburgh's offense is experienced. Martavis Bryant will be back from suspension next week. Big Ben knows what he's doing. Antonio Brown knows what he's doing. Uh Look, the issue with Pittsburgh last year was their defense, and, you know, I've criticized the Steelers a lot because I think they spend too much money on running backs and receivers, but, hey, Le'Veon Bell's been great at running the ball. Hopefully he doesn't get hurt before the playoffs, but, uh, you know, he's good to rely on. You still got Big Ben, and you got that great defensive pass rush. Pittsburgh is number three for a reason. 
Uh, but number two, the New England Patriots. The only reason I don't have the Patriots number one in my power rankings is, well, there's two reasons. Uh, their record is 6-2, and two, where Philly has an 8-1 and one record. And because I think the Patriots, I need to see more out of their defense. I need to see them play one more good game before I'm ready to say they're the Super Bowl favorite. But New England, as I pointed out in an earlier segment, they have a very easy schedule going forward. Uh, Denver and Oakland on the road, those were supposed to be the two tough midseason games for the Patriots after a tough schedule early on, which they managed to go 6-2 and two with, but Denver's not playing well. We know they're in a weird QB situation. Uh, Patriots don't have to go to Oakland. That game's in Mexico City, but the Raiders have underperformed. Then they have the Dolphins twice, the Bills twice, the Jets, and really just a tough game against the Steelers, and That's about it. So, you know, the Patriots are probably going to be number one on these power rankings at a certain point. Uh, But right now, you still have to give it to the Philadelphia Eagles, a unit that has zero flaws. They're great at quarterback. Carson Wentz has really stepped up his sophomore year, although he was a great rookie, too. Uh, Their wide receivers are good. Their running backs are incredible. They have the best group of running backs in the league, arguably, especially now with Jay Ajayi. And they put up 51 points against the Denver Broncos, who, going into Week 9, had the number one defense in the league. Also... Don't ignore Philly's defense either. Their defense held Denver, who went into Week 9 as the second-best rushing team. They held Denver's rushing attack to just 35 yards. And Philly's defense already has 25 sacks and 11 interceptions. Now, as I pointed out in the previous segment... Uh, alongside the Patriots, the Eagles have a very tough schedule the rest of the way, so it might be difficult for them to stay atop these power rankings again. Eagles on the road, Seahawks on the road, Rams on the road, and visiting the New York Giants is never easy, and they also have the Oakland Raiders, which certainly isn't a gimme, but you know, the Eagles, you have to put them at number one. They have very few flaws, uh, and that's my top seven. That's my first sideline seven here in week 10. Again, number seven, we have the New Orleans Saints, Dallas Cowboys at six, Chiefs at five, Rams at four, Steelers at three, Patriots at two, and Eagles at one. Now, uh, you'll notice I left out, I left out uh, a few teams that should be in the top 10, and they would be in the top 10 if I did a top 10, but again, this is the sideline 7. The Minnesota Vikings, they have quarterback issues. Like the Eagles, they are a very complete team just about everywhere. Great O-line, great defense, uh, good receivers. Stephon Diggs has really stepped up, good running game, but all the quarterback injuries have been costly. Now, they have Teddy Bridgewater coming back. Uh, I don't think he'll play this week, but he he should be back soon. So the Vikings do have a shot at working their way here into the seven, the top seven. Uh, the Carolina Panthers belong in the top ten, but not the top seven because they just aren't consistent offensively, but their defense has been very impressive. And speaking of impressive defense, Jacksonville, I held them off the list because at the end of the day, they still have Blake Bortles. Uh, I'll be back again tomorrow. Until then, I bid you adieu. <laughs>